Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. We'll go ahead and get started. Uh, we finished up last week. We finished up John chapter 2. So we are in John chapter 3. We're going to cover the first 13 verses. So John 3, 1 through uh, 13. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'm going to read these verses for us. <clears throat> There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of, the, of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I would have told you earthly things and you did not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit be here with us and to give us illumination of our hearts and our minds. And we pray that your truth will change us today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Sproul begins his commentary on this section. He says, basically, he believes this is one of the most difficult texts in all of Scripture. And we're going to get into that as to why he believes that. Uh, To understand uh, these verses, he also points out we need to make the connection between what what John says in the last verses of chapter 2. Let me reread the last two verses of chapter 2. It says, But Jesus did not commit Himself to them because He knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of men. For And this is the part, For He knew what was in man. Okay, For He knew what was in man. So following these words from John, we see here this first interaction. Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. Uh, after that, we're going to find Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, and there are going to be others. But those verses, those last two verses in chapter 2, kind of help explain where Jesus is coming from. Help us understand what Jesus means here in some of these verses. In what we will find in all of these those meetings, that Jesus is going to speak directly to the heart of the people he is encountering. Uh, because why? Because he John tells us that Jesus knows what he knows what's in their heart, and so we find Jesus speaking directly to heart issues. Here is what Jesus is doing here. Verse one it says John tells us there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. 
What we know about Nicodemus is that he was a man of high authority. In fact, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. If you remember the Sanhedrin, uh, that is the ruling body of the Jewish people. Now, not all Pharisees were members of the Sanhedrin. Um, most, if you had to compare or make a comparison, a modern day comparison to the significance of what it means to be a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, you could compare it to a modern day American senator. Okay, American senators, U.S. senators have a lot of authority. Okay, in in our nation, and so that's a, a really good comparison of the what kind of authority these members, these these uh, these rulers had, as being a part of the Sanhedrin. Now, Nicodemus was also an experienced uh, theologian, or at least he should have been, right? Uh, later here in our reading in, in verse 10, Jesus reproaches him because uh, he, he, he says, you're a teacher of Israel, yet you don't understand these things. And so we'll get to that verse later, but supposedly he is a learned man. He is a, um, a knowledgeable man. Now we're told here in verse 2 that he came by night. That Nicodemus came to see Jesus by night. Now, John does not say exactly why. What is the reason that Nicodemus came by night? So we can speculate. Uh, you know, maybe he was too busy during the day. Maybe he thought Jesus was too busy. Um, maybe uh, he was embarrassed to be seen with Jesus publicly. Uh, so he came under uh, the cover of darkness. Um, Jesus was already garnering quite a reputation with the Pharisees. So it's very possible. I think the most likely explanation is that uh, Nicodemus came. This was a secret meeting. He didn't want anybody to know. He, he didn't want anybody to know that he was approaching Jesus here. He wanted to keep this secret. This was a an undercover mission. He, he just he had some questions and he wanted to talk to Jesus, but he didn't want anybody to know. Uh, that's probably the best explanation of why he came by night. Well, immediately when Jesus, or excuse me, when Nicodemus addresses him, we know that he he, he addresses Jesus with a title of respect. We see it in verse two. He says, "Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him." Notice first of all that Nicodemus says, "We know." He didn't say, "I know." He said, "We know." Now, at this point, uh, Nicodemus was. Uh, not using the uh, empirical uh, plural. He was, he was speaking of himself and a few others. So, in other words, he wasn't speaking for all the Sanhedrin. He wasn't saying, all of us believe this. He was speaking for himself and a few others. So, he's obviously got maybe a little inner circle of, of people that he's been talking with and they've been discussing things and they've been talking about Jesus. Uh, what was going on with Jesus and who this Jesus was. And so, he and a few others um, have recognized that uh, there's something different about this man. So, in other, other words, uh, what 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 Nicodemus was saying is, Jesus, you know, some of us leaders uh, can see here you are a bona fide uh, teacher, and you deserve the title rabbi. And um, we are we are we're here. I'm here representing them, and we want to. Try to invite you into our club. We want to welcome you into our club. So, um, 
we see here that Nicodemus and some of his friends knew about Jesus. They had some knowledge about Him. Nicodemus also says, says, You are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. This acknowledgement that Nicodemus made was not just a personal acknowledgement. It was also theological. He referenced uh, the signs that Jesus had performed. Now we remember that the signs, uh, John calls them signs, we talked about that the other week, or miracles, the same thing, uh, were given by God to do what? Remember? To validate the ministry of the one who is bringing the signs, or to authenticate uh, the ministry. So so Nicodemus is right here in his uh, assessment that God is with him. He's correct. Theologically here, Nicodemus is right. Before He admits, he understands that Jesus could not do these things unless God was with him. Now, he was not saying that Jesus was the Messiah. But he was sure here at this point that Jesus was sent by God. So we can give him that. We can grant Nicodemus that. He was right about that. Now, how did Jesus respond? You know, thank you. I, re- I really appreciate you recognizing who I am. Right? That he uh, uh, remember. Um, well, he didn't do that. Right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't um, greet, uh, respond to this greeting. You know, just oh, so thank you. I'm, you know, I'm glad that you came to see me. And um, so he, he didn't. That's not where Jesus started. Uh, remember what we read in the last words of the last chapter. What does it say about Jesus? That he knew what was in man. Okay, he knew what was in man. Jesus knows what's in Nicodemus's heart at this point. Jesus knows why Nicodemus is here. Why Nicodemus has come to him by night. Jesus knows. And he was not at all interested at this point in diplomacy. He was concerned with the truth and the truth only. Therefore, he said, he responded, Jesus responded in verse 3, Most assuredly, I say to you. Now, most assuredly, I say to you. Uh, Some translations have it say, uh, truly, truly, or some of them will say, I tell you the truth. By starting this introduction, okay, that Jesus is using before he gets to the the meat of what he's about to say, this part that he says, what he's stressing to Nicodemus that what I'm about to say is absolutely sure and true. That's what. That's why by saying most assuredly, I say to you, he's saying what I'm about to say. I'm about to say it. It is absolutely true and is absolutely certain, and you need to listen. So he says, most assuredly I say to you, and then the second half of verse 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now remember when Jesus began his uh, earthly ministry, what was the message? Jesus came announcing the kingdom of God was at hand. The breakthrough of the kingdom of God. Now, ultimately, the kingdom of God refers to heaven. It's where, it's where God is. It's where the reign of God is made manifest, ultimately. 
Okay, there's no hindrances. In heaven, there is nothing hindering God and His majesty. His His will is completely done. All people acknowledge Him for who He is. Uh, there's no, no sin in heaven. So um, that is ultimately where it's made manifest. And what we know about the kingdom of God is that only those in the family of God will see this kingdom. Now we know that because of Jesus' use of the word unless here in verse 3. He says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus' use of this word is not by accident. Uh, The word signals a necessary condition. This must happen before the next thing can happen. Okay, this is what Jesus is saying here about seeing the kingdom of God. So in this case, what Jesus is saying, that necessary condition, that thing unless, uh, is new birth. And if one experiences new birth, then that leads to one being able to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there have been some questions as to what exactly Jesus meant here. Uh, Some translations say um, born from above instead of born again, which is, uh, that is literally what the phrase means, actually. It means born from above rather than born again. It's a literal interpretation of that. But the meaning is the same. Whether you say born uh, from above or born again, the meaning of those those two phrases are the same thing. Clearly, Jesus knows that everyone has a natural birth. He knows that. And so what he's saying here is that something more must happen before you can see the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying that in order to see his kingdom, to go into his kingdom, a person must be born supernaturally. That is a born again. That we have the birth of the flesh, but this person must be born supernaturally. Dr. Spur reminded us that in uh, the mid-70s, uh, Charles Colson, Chuck Colson, y'all remember that name? Y'all remember uh, who he was? Remember he was caught up in the, the Watergate uh, scandal and everything, did prison time, became a believer Okay, in the gospel message. And he wrote a book titled Born Again. Well, uh, a few years later, uh, President uh, then-President Carter used this phrase when talking about himself. He described himself as a born-again Christian. A born-again Christian. Well, a lot of people started using that phrase. Hey, the president said it. Must be a good phrase to use, right? But what do you know about that term? What What is the first... When you hear born-again Christian, what's the first thing you think? It's redundant. Exactly. It is redundant. Right? Um, it's like saying, I am an unmarried bachelor. <coughs> right? It's the same thing. Born again Christian is the same thing as saying, I'm an unmarried bachelor. Does anybody say that? Does anybody say, I'm an unmarried bachelor? No. It's, it's not necessary. Right? It is uh, redundant. The, the simple uh, reality is that every Christian, every believer, is born again. Okay, that is a reality. There are no other kind of Christians. Okay, there is no such thing as a non-born-again Christian. No such thing. 
Now, for sure, um, there are plenty of people, unregenerate people, people who are not born again, who claim to be Christians. Okay, that's that's true, right? Uh, there are many church members like that. They claim church members that they claim to be a Christian, and they're not born again. Okay, that's true. But there's no such thing as a non-born again Christian. So when Jesus said that rebirth was necessary, one must be born again for anyone to see the kingdom of God. When he's when when Jesus makes this statement, okay, about this rebirth. Born from above. Nicodemus was astonished. He he didn't really know. He had no clue what what Jesus was talking about. And so he replied in verse 4. He says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now remember, Nicodemus is not a stupid man. Okay, he, he he's an educated man, yet he thinks to ask Jesus this kind of question. It's it's a, uh, I think Doctor Sproul said I don't believe he could have been any more insulting to Jesus in his reply. That's what Doctor Sproul said. Now, at this point, Jesus does not react. Um, to Nicodemus's ridiculous question, okay, but neither does he back down. He remember he knows what's in Nicodemus's heart. He knows the heart of man, and so yes, this ridiculous question is ridiculous. But Jesus does not back down. In verse five, Jesus says, "Most assuredly, I say to you." There's that uh, that phrase again. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So here in this verse, Jesus is expounding on what he said uh, the first time. He adds this phrase, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now here at this point, Dr. Sproul said this. He says, I've struggled with this text for 40 years. Okay, he's being completely honest and transparent. Okay, I've struggled with this text for 40 years. And these are R.C. Sproul's words. He says, and I'm not, I'm still not completely sure what it means. Okay? Let's talk about this for a minute. Now he says, what he is clear on is what's meant by the Spirit. Okay, that is clear. Okay, the, the, the being born of the Spirit, we're clear on. He's clear on. He said, but I'm unsure of what he meant with the reference to the water. Some people uh, would say uh, that Jesus here is referring to baptism. But there's really no reason why Jesus would expect Nicodemus to understand that at this point. Based on the Old Testament we have, based on Nicodemus's education, there's no reason to believe that Jesus would expect him to understand that. And of course, we know that baptism is not a required um element for salvation right i mean you don't have to be baptized now it's commanded to be baptized but think about the thief on the cross was he baptized well we don't think he was right uh we have no evidence that he was and and he went to heaven so we know that that we don't think that's that's not what jesus is referring to here but 
So to help us understand, we need to look into the Old Testament. Because again, Jesus is interacting with a teacher of the Old Testament. He knows the Old Testament. So he's communicating with him. And so we need to look to the Old Testament to see the connection, uh, how the connection between water and the Spirit, how are they used together. And then that helps us understand what Jesus is trying to say here. According to the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, the people needed two things to be accepted by God. And one was what? They needed to be purified and they needed to be resurrected by the power of God. Two things. They needed to be purified. Why? Because they're sinners, right? You need to be cleansed from your sin, right? To be accepted into the kingdom of God. Purification. Now, and the resurrection, or the resurrected by the power of God, the rebirth, this new birth by the Spirit. Two things that that uh, Ezekiel would say people needed. And that's surely true, right? We need to be cleansed from our sins. And only the Holy Spirit can do that through the power of uh, the cross and the gospel. And R.C. at this point says, he says, you know what? He said, I may be wrong here. Uh, he says, but I think I hear Jesus using this twofold reference in what he says is saying to Nicodemus. He's connecting two things. He's connecting purification and salvation uh, through the regeneration through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, others would, I read some other, I read um, uh, Calvin, I read uh, some from John MacArthur. They tend to agree that that's what Jesus is referring to. Um, It's like Jesus, this, this is Sproul's words. It's like Jesus said this, to enter into the kingdom, a person must be purified and must be raised from spiritual death. He has to be cleansed and be raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, can anybody argue with our need to be cleansed? I cannot argue with that. I definitely, I need to be cleansed because I have sin in my life. Um, so the that is the the point that Sproul gets to here. Again, uh, Calvin uh, would agree based on the things I read from him as well as um, I read in MacArthur's uh, study Bible as well. That they would agree. So, Jesus, again, he knew he was talking to a teacher of the Jews. And so, what he says, Sproul says, and others said, that's most likely what he is referring to here. When he says, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. Anybody got any questions? Anybody got any comments they want to say at this point? It's okay. Again, we've got a man who devoted his life to study and who says, I'm really not 100% sure on this. Anybody else want to add anything to this or question here at this point before I go on? I often wonder growing up mm-hmm. already. That we're going, he's, and Jesus is going to dress up. We're going to get to that in a minute. So you know, I'm just trying to think, what was he thinking? Well, and, and, and I agree with where you're going because we're going to get there in a minute. Um, because remember, the Jews didn't think they need to be cleaned, right? They thought they're what? Well, they I'm already clean. The that's right. He, that's he that's right. That's right. And, and uh, Jesus is about to challenge this, right? Because so Jesus is challenging everything, you know, that the Jews thought they knew about what it's going to take uh, to be in the kingdom of God. Which I think is a good, good segue here. Um, so. 
Jesus, he, he moves on in verse 6 and he says, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Okay, no one's born a Christian. We know that. Okay, you're not born a believer. Uh, flesh by itself, my natural state, the state that I have come into the world, I've born under the curse, under the fall, it in itself cannot produce redemption. I cannot create that in my own spirit, in my own being, in and of myself, and you can't either. Now, back to what Ms. Pam was saying, a common error among the Jews uh, was to think that because of their heritage, their lineage, right, simply the fact they were Jews, that that alone made them or numbered them among the people of God and they're automatically going to heaven. They're in the kingdom just because of their birthright. Okay? Now, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament teachers are going to have to show them that's not the case. Okay, and Jesus is dealing, again, he's dealing with what is the heart of Nicodemus. What's in Nicodemus' heart? And Jesus is dealing with this here. So, uh, think about this. Think about the way the Jews think about it. Um, what This happens in some modern times. Think about this in the same way. How many, how many do you know, or how many people uh, have you heard, you know, they're, they, they've been born into a Christian home. They've been raised by Christian parents. Maybe they went to a Christian school. And they just think, that makes me a Christian. Well, is that necessarily true? Absolutely not. It does not. None of those things make you a Christian. In the same way that uh, a Jew, by his birth, does not make him automatically in the kingdom of God. Okay? Your natural birth uh, was given uh, to you, is given flesh. And in your flesh, the flesh is alone, the flesh alone is powerless to allow you to enter into the kingdom of God. You must also be born of the Spirit. And this is where Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter with Nicodemus. Finally, Jesus says uh, to Nicodemus in verses 7 and 8, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus makes a little bit of a play on words here. Um, He used a Greek word, pneuma, which can mean wind or breath or spirit. So, kind of to to make it a little bit modern, it's kind of like he's saying, you have to be born of the Spirit and it's like the wind. What do we know about the wind, right? It blows, and, and, and Jesus says that the wind blows wherever it wants, right? It doesn't ask for permission, right? Uh, sometimes it blows very strongly. <laughs> Even the strongest winds, we still can't see it, can we? We cannot see the wind. But what can we see? We can see the consequences of the wind, right? We can see the results of what it does after it comes through. We can all see that. But we still don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. Right? Even the best meteorologist can't tell you that. And so what Jesus is saying, just like the wind, the Holy Spirit cannot be controlled. 
or fully understood. But the proof of the work of the Holy Spirit is apparent. You can see it. You can see the work of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit works, there is undeniable and unmistakable evidence. Now isn't that good news? That is good news. We can't see where He's going. We can definitely know when He's been there. Right? That's what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. Now each one who was born of the Spirit is kind of like that. Because the spiritual rebirth is the work of God and not of the flesh. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, uh, 4 and 5, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love which, which, with which He loved us, even though we were dead in trespasses, He has made us alive together with Christ. Who acted? God acted. He acted to us, upon us. The Holy Spirit acted because where where were we? We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were in our flesh. But it says what? Because of the great love with which He loved us. The Holy Spirit made us alive. The wind blew in your life and made you alive. The wind of the Holy Spirit. And so here in Ephesians, Paul's talking about what? Regeneration. That's what he's talking about, right? Uh, The act by which God gives new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know this work is supernatural. It is not of man. It is done from above, right? And it is something only God can do. Man uh, cannot cause itself to be reborn. We've been talking about this in Sunday night here, right? Going through the Westminster Confession of Faith, talking about um, the effectual calling, right? That's what we've been talking about. Um, Well, at this point, Nicodemus is still confused. Okay? He's still confused here. Verse 9, what does Nicodemus say? How can these things be? How can these things be? Now, Jesus did not answer his question immediately. However, he did do one thing. What? In the next verse, he points out his ignorance. Jesus said in verse 10, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? You mean to tell me, Nicodemus, you've got a master's degree from seminary. You've got a PhD in theological studies. And you still don't know this? That's kind of like what he would be saying, right? Jesus is saying this, this is a foundational or fundamental biblical truth. This is not some mystery religion here. Okay, This is not something that has been hidden and now Jesus is revealing something that's always been hidden. Yes, there's some things, but, but, but that's not what Jesus' point is. You can find this. It's in the Scriptures already. This is not something that you should be surprised about. With all your knowledge, Nicodemus, of the Old Testament, you should know this. That's what Jesus is saying here. Another thing that Jesus was pointing out here too, He's making it clear that all, every word, all the Old Testament books, everything that's been written, okay, in the Old Testament was pointing to Him. 
It's all pointing to me and the atonement that He would make for His people. Jesus goes on in verses 11 through 13. Again, this introduction. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. I have told you earth, if I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how would you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Now, what's Jesus's point here that he's trying to make with Nicodemus? The point he's trying to make here is, and this is Jesus speaking, I, mean, first, first, I have authority to speak on these matters. That's what Jesus is trying to say. I have authority. I have come down from heaven. I am the Son of Man. I know what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus is, is, is saying here. Nicodemus, like I say, Nicodemus, you are talking to the one who was in the beginning with God. Who created everything that is. I am the one who has come down to heaven. You are talking to the Son of, Son of God, the Messiah in the flesh. Who else better to speak about these matters? That's basically what he's telling Nicodemus. Even with uh, this testimony, even with uh, this interaction... Nicodemus and the other religious leaders were still rejecting Jesus. It is, um, it's Nicodemus is shocked at what Jesus has told him. Uh, and Sproul went on to make a point. He said, you know, sadly, there are still many in the church today, in the present day church, who are shocked. So there's an absolute requirement, that unless condition we, we mentioned earlier. They're shot. There's an absolute requirement, a necessary condition that a person must meet before they can enter the kingdom of God. People are still shocked about that. What do people say today? You just, you just got to be a good person, right? You have to just be sincere. Y'all, y'all have heard all of them, haven't you? Just be sincere and... And uh, as long as you believe something, you know, everybody just be a good person. Everybody goes to heaven. Let totally pass over this necessary condition. This what Jesus just says, unless one is born again, unless one is born of the spirit, they will not see the kingdom of God. A sinner, the, the fact is, a sinner in his natural state must be changed because the sinner cannot change himself. Just like the leopard cannot change his spot, the sinner cannot change himself. Our natural uh, disposition, our natural fallen state, which, which we were born into, rejects God, wants to run from God. And so that part of us, our desire must be changed. And that change cannot happen by itself. Our nature, who we are, and our heart, our spirit needs to be changed. It needs to be gone, taken from a, a dead uh, spirit to and make it alive, right? By the Holy Spirit. That's, the, that, that's how drastic this change is, right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God has made you alive. Dead and alive are opposites. Polar opposites, right? 
The dead thing cannot bring itself back to life. It is showing the absolute necessity of this work of the Holy Spirit. And that was Jesus' point in sharing this with Nicodemus. Remember, Jesus knows why he's here. He knows what's in Nicodemus' heart. He knows what's what's on his mind. That's why uh, Jesus didn't, uh, when, when he greets him, he didn't, get, he didn't engage in small talk. He went right to the heart of the issue. Well, what happens to Nicodemus? Right? If you know your gospel accounts, well, after this, at some point, right? He eventually came to believe in Jesus. And this is a wonderful time to think about this man. Why? We read later in chapter 7 that uh, he even uh, risked his own life and his own reputation, right? This leader, this member of the Sanhedrin, he risked everything because or he came to Jesus' defense in one, in one, at one point, and then he, 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 he wanted to help by giving Jesus' body a decent burial. Now, if, what does that tell us about Nicodemus? The Spirit moved in Nicodemus' life, didn't it? The wind of the Holy Spirit blew through his life and made him alive. Now, who knows exactly when that happened? We don't know. But praise God that it did. And praise God that He saves anybody. That's the true miracle, isn't it? Isn't that the true miracle of the Gospel that Jesus saves anyone? Okay? Because Jesus, God Himself, the author of everything, would be completely justified in sending every person to hell forever. Because they sin and they fail. He would be completely justified in doing that. But He did not. Aren't you thankful that He loved you before the foundation of the world? And He put His love on you and then in the fullness of time He sent His Holy Spirit to make you alive. Praise God. Praise God. Any questions or comments before we close with prayer? the bell has rung so let me pray for us Heavenly Father we thank you for our time together Uh, Father we ask that you uh, bless your word uh, upon our hearts Father and give us truth and give us guidance and understanding And Father now as we leave this place we ask that you uh, prepare our hearts for our morning worship service and be with our pastor as he brings uh, truth from your word in Jesus name we pray Amen